Our gospel lesson for today, the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 2 through 16. Some Pharisees came, and to test Jesus, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Gospel of the Lord. The people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. Over the years, I've learned something about myself, a, a truth, we might say it, something about my personality that I've come to accept. I am a vocal thinker. This means that I have the tendency to, to speak or to talk my way through thoughts. If I'm trying to organize my thoughts or, or make an opinion about something, I have the tendency to talk my way through it. Now, if any of you have ever sat in a meeting with me, you've seen me do this, or you've heard me do this, more likely, because it's very, very common for me to do it. I have to say, knowing this truth about myself, it's probably a good thing that Roughly 90% of the time, I'm alone here in the church because I'm constantly talking to myself, and yes, I even answer myself if they say that's when you need to worry. But this tendency is, is very, very, very common. I do it a lot, and I've noticed another way that this sort of manifests itself is that I will even sometimes think my way through possible conversations that I might have with another person. I call this having a theoretical conversation, and I vocalize my side of it. This happens a lot. And actually, just this morning, as I was uh, preparing for, for creating this video and, and getting ready to go to work, I was doing that very thing. I was having one of those theoretical conversations with myself. Now, everyone else had left my house already. This was before I had crossed the parking lot. And I was putting my shoes on, and I'm having this theoretical conversation with myself. And as I'm talking, I put my shoes on, I walk out the door, and I, I start to cross the parking lot. And it's only when I started to cross the parking lot, and I had to glance this particular direction and saw one of the neighbors across the alley out in his backyard, I realized, Scott, you're talking to yourself right now. And I quickly clammed up. But this idea of talking to yourselves, or we might call it self-talk, or, or a voice in our head, whatever we want to call it, I can't help but think it's actually a very, very, very common thing. Now, for some people, maybe they vocalize these thoughts out loud. Clearly, I am one who does that. 
but there are other people who are on the flip side of that and they keep those voices those thoughts whatever we want to call them in their own minds or in their own thoughts and even if they don't vocalize them they are there now I want you to kind of keep this idea of self-talk whether it's out loud or whether it's just in our minds and just kind of tuck that away because I think that idea is all over our gospel lesson for today but before I dive into that I just want to acknowledge what might feel like the elephant in the room this is a hard passage this is one that I do not enjoy this is one that I really don't like having to deal with or talk about or even acknowledge the truth of the matter is is when this particular passage or one like it because this is not the only time it shows up it's in the other Gospels and there's other little snippets of, of teachings within the Gospels that are very very similar whenever it comes up it's a difficult one the idea of divorce is one that has touched so many lives and I don't know why but this particular topic seems like it stings, like it hits close to home, like it's just difficult for many, many, many people, more so than other topics that we might sometimes hear about or that we might come across as we encounter with the scriptures. This is a hard one. And I've had conversations with many different individuals who have been touched by the, the reality of divorce and they have all commented on the same thing. And I cannot help but think that the moment you either heard me start reading this passage or if you had, had accessed the digital bulletin and then read it yourself, the moment you began, some of that self-talk quite possibly started in for you. This is one that is just difficult. I want to acknowledge that. I want to be upfront and saying that I know this is a hard one to think about. This is a hard one to hear about. Because the reality of divorce is the brokenness and the death of a relationship. That being said, broken relationship is one of the things that we tend to focus a lot on here within the church, even within the idea of preaching or the idea of learning about the gospel. It's about broken relationships and what God has done to overcome it. Having acknowledged that now, I want to get back into the passage just a little bit. And I want to start by saying, I don't think in this moment, when it happened 2,000 years ago, I don't think Jesus set out to talk about divorce and broken relationships. It wasn't on his radar. In this situation, as the narration starts, we hear that this question is brought to him, and actually not even once, but twice. We hear it's brought forward by the Pharisees, and then later on, after Jesus has said a little snippet about it, then it's brought to him again by the disciples. And when I think about all of this, I wonder about the situation itself that brought this question to Jesus from the start. In order to test him, we don't know the motivation of the people who ask this question of Jesus. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? We don't know. Maybe they were trying to make Jesus look bad. 
Maybe they were trying to get him to talk about what must have been a divisive subject to, to lose face or to lose favor with some, if not all, of the crowd. If we think back, maybe the, the Pharisees, the people who brought this up, maybe they were hoping that Jesus would come out and condemn divorce like his forerunner John the Baptist had done. If you think about it, John the Baptist had come out about divorce and he had gotten him killed, ultimately. Maybe the Pharisees, the opponents of Jesus, maybe they wanted to get Jesus in the same boat as John the Baptist. We don't know. But maybe the motivation behind it isn't all that important, but rather, what are they doing in the first place? They bring up this question, is it lawful? Now again, Jesus was not teaching about this. Whatever it was that he was up to, someone else brought this subject to him. And I appreciate the way that Jesus kind of turns it back around. And he says, what does the commandment say? And then they reply, well, Moses said that it was lawful for it to happen. And then Jesus comes back again and he says, well, because of your hardness of heart, Moses gave you this commandment, but that's not the way it was intended. Jesus gives this teaching he seems to say it more than once, giving this, this expression, this, this idea of what God intends for relationship. Not just marriage, but relationship. A relationship of mutual benefit, of mutual honor, of mutual respect. A, a relationship that goes both ways equally. One in which both parties, both people in the relationship mutually benefit and it's not at the the detriment or the exploitation of one of the other that's what god intended and i believe if we go all the way back to genesis which is what what uh, jesus is referencing i believe that this doesn't just mean marriage i believe this means all relationships but think about it. Jesus says it's because of your hardness of heart. It's because of the brokenness that has manifested itself in humanity, in the human condition, whatever we want to call it, that causes relationships to be hindered, to be harmed, to be hurt, to be broken even. And sometimes those relationships, no matter how hard we try, cannot be repaired they cannot be reconciled and so the only option left is to end that relationship now there are times and i fully acknowledge this there are times when it may be the best idea or the best way to go about things it might be the best option but i do not believe it is ever a good option and again I'm not just talking about divorce. I'm talking about all relationships. Sometimes reconciliation just is not possible between people, between individuals. It just doesn't work. This is a reality. It's painful, but it's honest, and I believe it's true. But let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's think about perhaps the why behind this particular topic. Now, this is not the only time that Jesus is faced with a question like this. This time, it's the topic of divorce. But sometimes it's, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I accomplish? What must I do? Sometimes it's, 
What's the right way for washing your hands? Or is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? There are countless different times when Jesus is tested about if something is lawful or if it's against the rules, or is this right, or is it wrong, and can we put something to that? That seems to be the question, and it's even worded that way. Is it lawful? Is it okay? Is it allowed? Now, I started this whole thing off talking about self-talk and that voice that's in the back of our head, or sometimes, like me, we vocalize it. That question, that doubt, that wondering, all of that that I think goes on back here that screams at us, sometimes so loud that we can't get away from it, am I okay? It's an idea that we might call self-justification. Can I set a hard and fast rule on this topic so that if I follow that rule, I know that I'm okay? It all seems to boil down to that, this idea of, is this okay? Am I okay? Are they okay? It's all the same question. Because if I can put a rule to it, then I can say, well, I'm good to go. But what Jesus shows us over and over and over again is the brokenness of this reality, the brokenness which hinders those relationships in whatever form we're talking about, that brokenness ultimately means that we will never be able to earn our way into God's favor, something we call justification, or maybe we call it righteousness, whatever we want to call it. We're never going to be able to follow the rules because no rule will ultimately get us there. Jesus seems to be pushing that back in the face of the people who are testing him. You want to try and set it according to the rules? Okay, here's what the rules look like. But what Jesus is ultimately up to, what he is on his way to Jerusalem to somehow accomplish, what he has told his followers time and time and time and time again, what he is going to be doing, what he's going to be suffering, what he's going to be enduring and even dying for, but then ultimately rising again, is to somehow do something different other than trying to follow and establish rules. Relationships are broken. Relationships are damaged. Relationships are hindered between us as fellow members of the human race and because between us as individuals and God. But whatever it was that Jesus was accomplishing through his life and his death and his resurrection, it was somehow making ultimate reconciliation possible. Not because of anything we do or don't do or any rule that we follow or we don't follow or anything that we say or do or think or whatever. Intentions don't matter. What matters is that God has done something about the brokenness that we all experience. Now, following this very difficult and painful and not fun passage, there's this other strange little moment when Jesus then brings a child into his arms and he starts teaching and he blesses this child and he gets angry at the disciples when they're trying to keep the children away. But he says, unless you become like a child, you will not receive the kingdom of heaven for the kingdom of God is given to such as these. And I really, really appreciate that very subtle and yet important statement to receive the kingdom of God. When we receive something, it's not that we're taking it. 
It's not that we're earning it. It's that it is being given to us. The gift of righteousness, the gift of justification, the gift of God's grace and mercy is something that we cannot earn, but through Jesus, through whatever he was doing through his life and his death and his resurrection, it was making it possible for God to give it to us. This is at the heart of everything that we talk about, of the ministry that we do as the church, the gospel that we proclaim. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's favor, but because of God's great love and mercy and grace made manifest through Jesus Christ, that love is given to us anyway. That claim of God upon us as beloved children is there. And the forgiveness of the brokenness that we are all a part of and that is a part of all of us, that forgiveness is not only possible, it is already given to me. This is the gospel that we proclaim. And it is true for us in all circumstances, all circumstances, whether they hit close to home for us or whether they're not something that we ourselves struggle with, but the human condition is universal. Thankfully, God's grace is given to us, given to all of us.